permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squad cast. And Scott, not only are we the Suicide Squad cast, but we have an, an additional member today. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yes. I would like to introduce Matt, who is going to be joining us as a co-host today. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Now, Matt, um, you've been a great patron of ours, and you've been a supporter for over a year now. And, uh, and you know, this was the reward uh, for your patronage that you got a chance to get on the show and actually co-host with us. And it's finally happening. You, are you as excited as we are? Oh, I'm super excited. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I was... You know, all day I've been trying to prepare for this to, you know, figure out what I was going to be talking about on the show. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, I can't believe that it's been a year, but, um, I listen to you guys regularly and now you get, to, I actually hear you respond <laughs> as I talk. So this is <laughs> like a new experience for me. Now it's not the imaginary voices in your head anymore. <laughs> this must be very comforting to you. <laughs> well, we're going to find out. <laughs> that was the funniest thing that you said is that normally you just listen to us and then you just yell at things that we say and now we're actually responding back to you so <laughs> yeah it's a whole new ball game <laughs> watch yourself yeah <laughs> you best watch yourself well let's uh <laughs> we, we're actually part of this scott we're kind of getting caught up in the last few weeks here uh we've had a couple of we've had a number of things that have kind of happened one um we had uh, one weekend that we couldn't get together and record so we dropped the the dc universe review that you did with ray yeah that was that was me dealing with the medical emergency. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yep. We're just glad we had one in the can. Yeah, so we had one in the can. So we dropped that one. And then, of course, last week we had our, our part two of our crossover event with, you know, Holy Badcast, which was a ton of fun, by the way. Oh, my God. Well, it was the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight. We had to. It just, yeah. it, the, the fans demanded it. <laughs> and then now they're demanding, like, us to do the third part. I mean, did we sign up for that? Yes, actually. I think by doing the first two in a trilogy, I think that just naturally <laughs> demands a third one. It's called logic, Tim. There's no turning back now. There's no turning back. And I'm just looking forward to hearing you know, Jamie Drury whine again about having to record over a two-day period. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing you whine about, this looks like Chicago. You know, so, you know, it's, it, there's there's something for everyone. <laughs> That's not going to be an issue in the third one. So Yeah, it's, that was Pittsburgh. That was Pittsburgh, part. yep. Well, maybe we'll have Jordan on the show, and then he can whine about that. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Well, Scott, give us give us some uh, give us some of the standards here. <laughs> standards? Well, of course, you know, we are members of the Suicide Squad network that does include fans without borders and dc tv squadcast with brent and ray and of course we also have dc comic squadcast with jordan and chris um which by the way they decided to drop like three pieces of patreon content all in one day i was like dudes seriously space it out maybe i was like <laughs> i haven't even a chance to listen to all of it yet and um which of course with matt here it's a great time to remind you that we want to say thank you to all of our patrons including you matt thank you yep. and and, uh, and we appreciate your support. And if you would like to support us, like Matt has, uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And it's $5 a month.
month that will get you that special tier with the with the exclusive RSS feed with bonus content such as you know Suicide Squad cast movies. We're going through every comic book based movie of all time. Where you know you get B roll conversations of stuff that doesn't make it into the main show, and you get random mic checks by Brent, which <laughs> is still like interesting. Listen to this day. <laughs> uh, it, it it made another appearance on a show. I'm just so happy about that. <laughs> did you enjoy the mic check, Matt? Did it did it make your your monthly patronage just worth it all the more? I go back and listen to it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we love you, Brent, and uh, you know I hope you get those mic situations worked out. <laughs> all right, well let's. Uh, I mean, let, let's do this. Let's get on with the news. What do you what do you say, fellas? Oh my God! Well, like three weeks worth of news, and we we get to hit the highlights. So, yes, for sure. I, which I think is a big point to say. We're not going to cover everything the last three weeks, guys. Tim and I have worked to prune this down to this is the stuff that actually matters. Yes. So for sure. Or at least in our in our estimation. Yep. So. All right. Let's talk about this first thing. Now, this is some news that kind of came out. And if and this kind of happens all the time. And we'll have some commentary on this after the fact. But we'll, we'll at least tell you what the news is at this point. It's being reported by Mike Fleming Jr. from Deadline that there is a Supergirl film that is in early development over at Warner Brothers. And the information that Mike had is that Oren Uziel is actually working on the script. And that was uh, confirmed by him. And at this point, there is no producer on the Supergirl film at this point in the project. Of course, I had to look this guy up to see, like, what has he done before? He's done, like, 22 Jump Street, Cloverfield Paradox, and he's working on a couple things that are in production already, like Sonic the Hedgehog, and apparently a Mortal Kombat. I guess they're rebooting that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's working a lot with Netflix lately. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, the interesting thing about about this, uh, the one film that I saw that he was, like, the sole writer on was Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, He's a sole screenwriter, and uh, I think, I don't think it was, like, highly received, highly well-received. Well, I heard good things from people who, like, just saw the movie. You know, it, it critics didn't respond well to it, but I thought there were some people, I remember, because it, like, dropped, like, immediately after the Super Bowl, right? It was like, it was like, they had a Super Bowl ad, and it was like, oh, by the way, it's on Netflix now. Like, that was their announcement for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that was the marketing gimmick of that. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you see it, Matt? I, I did. I, I, um, I, I did see it. I thought it was okay. I, you know, it was a stretch, uh, to sort of, you know, be a part of the Cloverfield genre, you know, like, uh, part of the Cloverfield, uh, set of films. And I think that's what a lot of people responded to. That was the common criticism I did here. Yeah. So that it was a stretch, but, um, overall as a film, it was, it was okay. It was entertaining. Well, sometimes you just want a movie. Okay. Basically it was like, did you feel like you wasted your time? Would you have fun? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't go into it, uh, thinking it was going to be a masterpiece (laughs) to tell you the truth, but you know, I, you know, but you know, Cloverfield, the Cloverfield series, you kind of, you know, you become very interested very quickly. And, you know, I think, so you're, you're waiting to see how that's all going to tie together. And, and so you sort of, it sort of fell short there and you were just like, okay, like, but overall as a film, if it was independent of having the Cloverfield name attached to it, it was, it was decent. Okay. Um, the one film that I have seen, and, and I've, I've seen like 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, and I actually love both of those films. I, I, I think they're, they're, they're really great watches. Uh, there, there's a couple scenes in there that just have me rolling. Just every time I see it, I just like, it's, it's some of the hardest out laughter I'll ever do. Now, I think like on 22 Jump Street, uh, Oren was like one of three different credited screenwriters. So it's one of these kind of situations where you have no idea like who really did what. And especially when it comes to screenwriting credits, it's such a convoluted process here. It has to kind of go through 
it basically has to go through, and I, I don't know what the right term is, but it basically has to go through a committee that determines, okay, so-and-so can get screenwriting credit because they did X amount for the script. Yeah, a certain percentage. Of a certain percentage the or the tone, right. yeah, that kind of thing. The one thing I have learned, though, is that the order of the names matters because if, if their name is listed last, that means they were the last person to work on it. Okay. If their name came first, that meant that their theirs was the draft that then everyone else like polished or made adjustments to. So you can see what step they were in the process by what order their name is in the credit. So it has nothing to do with the, the percentage of contribution. Percentage of contribution determines whether you get credited or not. Right. Okay. Yeah. The or the order because you know if you get the ampersand the and sign uh, that means you work together with a person. If you get the and the word and spelled out that means you worked independently of the other person working on the script and then the later on in that is the is the you know where you came in the process of the script writing stage yeah so one thing i would just kind of say about this too i know some people i think we're getting a little bit bent out of shape uh because they looked at you know oren being the sole writer of the screenplay for cloverfield paradox and it not being highly critically received uh, i would just say this too when you get this news here that a supergirl film is in early development that's all this is it's somebody they've got an idea they hire a screenwriter and say hey let's see what you can come up with here they're looking for concepts they're looking for something that they can say hey this looks like this can go somewhere and at some point in time they actually put it into like active development which is where they say yeah we are going to move forward with this project so everything i see here does not tell me that they are moving forward with this project at this point all it is is just it's an early development and and i can't even tell you how many times uh we've talked about films being an early development with dc films and there are a ton of films that we've mentioned all the time and then we've heard nothing about for like two years right i mean it i mean really this is just a guy who either had a pitch or they reached out to him and he's writing a script that's that's all that means but let's talk about this in general too does this make sense i mean if you are warner brothers and does this make sense to try to go forward with a supergirl film i i think absolutely i, I well, think this makes complete sense yes yeah you've got a rather popular show on tv you've got cultural awareness of the character again you had a film in the 80s with Helen Slater, um, which, you know, it wasn't a great film, although Scott was pretty giddy about receiving his uh, Blu-ray on it. I, I, I I'm a completionist. I am a completionist. <laughs> That's all that is. I mean, it's not great. I remember watching it, you know, right before Man of Steel came out. It's not a great film, but it has some cheese factor to it that makes it entertaining. It does, and it had some really good flying scenes comparatively to the Superman film, her doing those loops in the air and things like that in that Supergirl oh, film true. that yeah. you had never seen before. And, you know, we also know that we're coming off of, uh, you know, the Wonder Woman thing where female-driven superheroes are, are popular right now. So that would be, they should really follow up with that. <laughs> with that. And I think not just that, I think it actually goes beyond that, Matt. I think it's not just the female superheroes. I think it's the, it's kind of like the, the culture shift that you're getting where we're getting a lot more female filmmakers that are being given a chance to, to do some work here. We talked about like Kathy Ann with uh, Birds of Prey and then uh, Christina Hodson, who has scripted a couple different films. I think Batgirl and 
and Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey as well, right? Right, and she's got Bumblebee coming out right. you know, this December. Yeah, of course we talk about Patty Jenkins and and just there's a number of other people. I mean, it's I, I think this is just gives another great opportunity to 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 maybe find a character that you know they may identify like, hey, you know, there's a lot of great directors that could do this thing, but like, man, wouldn't this be a great one for you know another you know female talented filmmaker to be able to take on? Um, you know, I, I continue to always kind of hope for like a Catherine Bigelow and uh, you know take on a film like this. When I first heard about it, it, it also just you know it's one of those concepts that feels right. So you, you, as we know from Man of Steel, and I know although Zach. Uh, Snyder put out something where, you know, we know about the open pod from Man of Steel and we all kind of, you know, think, you know, is that Kara's pod? And, um, you know, and I know Zach had responded that there was something, right? There was something come, uh, with that pod that was bigger than, uh, what we saw. Um, but the opening is there, right? Like we never saw what Zach's vision was for that, but it's clear for us that we can see where they, what they could do or how, how this could work in, in what we've, we currently have in the DC. Right. And then everyone always goes back to what I always go back to, which is that Sterling Gates written prequel comic that came out with Man of Steel that had story credit given to Snyder and Jeff Johns and Goyer that explicitly stated that that pod was Kara's. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I think this is definitely something you want to kind of pursue some development with and, and hopefully something comes together where they said, yep, this looks like this should move forward. You know, we like this concept. Let's go ahead and green light this thing and get in active development. I, I hope that's what happens with this thing, because I'd love to see a Supergirl film. I, and I just, I hope people don't get freaked out about this news, thinking that okay, we, you know, we're going to get a Supergirl. No, they already have. You, I know. No, I they know. already have. They already have. <laughs> Too late. That train has left the station. We're going to get a Supergirl film before Man of Steel 2. <laughs> right? So, anyway, it's some new news. It's it's good news in my book that they've got somebody working on it, so hopefully it pops. Yeah. And then this week, we also got a new Entertainment Weekly still from Aquaman, and once again, the Indian Indiana Jones vibe is strong <laughs> with this one. Very much. I, I, there a lot of people said Uncharted, even though I've never played those games. I know what they're talking about. I mean, but any of that kind of desert-oriented, you know, archaeological thing, Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider, Uncharted, this image of Mira and Arthur standing in front of this device, which I assume is where he'll get the trident, is, oh, I love it. It's, it, it I'm looking forward to this movie. I really am. I agree. I, I, uh, I think after Comic-Con, I, I'm very excited. I know that uh, from your previous conversation, uh, how you feel that you're you're really excited for Shazam. And I, I, when I was talking to Tim earlier, I was saying, I love the tone of Aquaman and what, what I'm seeing and just the scope of uh, every image that I see that comes out. I'm just getting more and more excited. You know, when I, when I actually saw this image, for some reason, I thought of Stargate. Oh, good call. Yes. <laughs> I can see that. But doesn't it kind of feel like that? Because it almost looks like something that, you know, there's gears. So they must, you must have to dial the swing thing a certain way to open it or to activate something and it's kind of what I was getting the feeling of with this oh you, you're speaking to my geek heart mm-hmm. I love me <laughs> I love me some Stargate mm. did you did you watch Stargate at all Matt no I wasn't like a huge Stargate fan but I do know enough about it where you know where I can relate to what you're talking oh dude get get on that there's a movie <laughs> there's a movie and at least three TV shows you can watch and one of them was the was my introduction to Jason Momoa oh 
it's true. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to Shazam, some Shazam news, and uh, we're, we're just going to touch on this one item. Uh, we get some of the first details up here about uh, Savannah, and this actually comes from James Herbert from Entertainment Weekly. And James says that you know this film's version of Savannah it also encountered the wizard as a kid, but he was rejected to receive his powers, and ever since then, Savannah has spent <laughs> Savannah. Are we in Georgia? Savannah. <laughs> I know you I keep guys going have back a problem with this every week. Yes, we do. I, I say Savannah. Yeah, just, Savannah. I say Savannah, too. I know. I, I, for some reason, I just can't like get the desert out of my head. Uh, Savannah has spent his life searching for a way... <laughs> he did it again! That's great! <laughs> I did it on purpose. Um, okay, I'll correct it. Savannah has spent his life searching for a way to gain the abilities that Billy now possesses in a desire to live up to the expectations of a domineering father. Ooh. Well, I like the idea that Savannah was like tested and was found unworthy. I like... That's a new twist, and I like it a lot. I do, too. I, I I love it as well, but and, and I, but I'm not familiar with the the Shazam New Fifty Two, so I I wasn't sure if it was something that was coming straight from there, or if this was something new, like a new twist on. This is something new, so I like it. You know, it's in you know originally he's supposed to be just like a mad scientist, and then in the New Fifty Two he was kind of like he was obsessed with finding something about magic, but but this whole idea that like he he has met the wizard and was deemed unworthy that's something that's a new twist but oh so good oh so good (laughs) now director david sandberg uh had a quote here and he said mark strong loves being a bad guy and it's not just him really it's something else that lent him his powers he can do some things that shazam can't the danger in some films is that the bad guy has the same powers as the good guy savannah has an extra thing extra dynamic that takes care of that Ooh, interesting i agree i agree with that idea about you can get into that trap where you're the mirror image bad guy who literally does the same thing you can yeah and and he's right too like that is like a trope that we see way too often quite honestly and uh so i'm, I'm interested to see where his head's at with this and and what kind of interesting twist that david sandberg has in mind and mark strong has the chop oh, i mean he, he's 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 such he, he's so good when he plays a villain character <sighs> oh. i really wanted him you've seen green lantern matt of course yeah yeah i i just really wanted to see a lot more of him from that film like that's one of the great like tragedies of the way that film was received and the way it ended up is that we didn't get a lot more of Mark Strong. Yeah, because he was he was perfect in that character in terms of just moving from the comic, uh, like Sinestro he was Sinestro. I mean you couldn't have asked for anything better than that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love, as a bad guy though, I've, I loved him in that first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. He was so good in that. He was. Yeah. He was good in Kick-Ass as well. I've never seen that actually. Wait a minute, oh, who was he in Kick-Ass? He was the lead. Um, he was the father of. Oh my god, of character names now. Um, the 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 rich kid that wanted to be. Oh. Uh, he's the father in the end. Like oh. he's like the mob boss, kind of the the big villain. Oh, okay. How did I not know that? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, he just has such a great screen presence. I just I hope he really gets a chance.
needs to kind of like kind of like really kind of shine in this role like I, that's the one thing i'm a little bit unsure of with this film is like just how much are we going to see of mark strong because i kind of feel like between you know uh, you know between asher and levi uh and then all the other shazamly as you know he likes to call them like you're going to see a lot of different characters in here and i, I always kind of like worry that they're going to shortchange you know somebody like a like a mark strong in this role but who knows you know we'll hopefully you know hopefully he has a strong presence like i you know you certainly don't get a sense that he has a big presence from you know what we saw in that little comic-con trailer but of course that that was probably stuff all early in the filming is is my guess the one thing dc films have always usually done a good job with is their villains i mean yeah if, if we're talking about the rule of averages here we get good villains yeah. so and based on this synopsis it you know and the fact that there is something so deep-seated uh in his uh in in in, in, how, in who he becomes i think we're going to need to see more to reject of these powers when he was younger so yeah. there there could you know that leaves room for even a backstory and great motivation as well oh yeah absolutely and then and then, man we just got kind of a over the last few weeks we've just gotten a torrent of joker casting news for the for the or for that solo that solo non-continuity film from todd phillips uh first we got reports of all these people who were in talks to join the film and justin Coral variety was reporting that robert de niro and mark Marin were in talks to join the cast now, apparently de niro was supposed to be portraying a talk show host who plays a part in driving uh the joker character to go mad and uh apparently the script is similar to De Niro's film King of Comedy about a failing comedian who gets kidnapped by a talk show host who kidnaps a talk show host so they're kind of playing off of that apparently even though I've never seen King of Comedy so now I have to yes <laughs> I thought the same thing I'd have to go back and watch King of Comedy because yeah. I, I had never seen it either same here but it's a De Niro movie it's like it's it's a Scorsese it's Scorsese and De Niro that just that makes it a a must watch uh, as Brent would say yeah. as Brent would say yes mm-hmm. and then Mark Maron who I am not not that familiar. Apparently, he is in the Netflix comedy Glow, and he is in talks to play uh, the booking agent for uh, the talk show hosts show. I wasn't familiar with him, into, but I have seen Glow, and he is fantastic on Glow. Oh, he is? How was yeah. that show, by the way? I- I like it. It's enjoyable. I def- I I I binge watched. So uh, and this and the second season just came out recently, but I just haven't gotten to it. But it, but it's it's if you remember uh, the ladies of wrestling in the in the eighties, which you know I was you know growing up, I, I remembered some of that. You know, this, uh, at the same time as when WWE was uh, WWF at that time, and uh, you know it brings back. You remember a lot of the characters if 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 you were part of that or if you watched those wrestling shows did it did either of you guys watch any no of that? i was i was not the, the one thing that gives me one to watch the show is allison brie because i fell in love with her on community so <laughs> yeah. it's just she's just one of the people you want to you yeah. want to follow yeah that's true yeah and i had i didn't watch a whole lot of wrestling either i just i just never quite got into it which is kind of funny because when, when it all comes down to it it's it's parallels about what they're trying to do with uh you know a quote-unquote professional wrestling is very much kind of like the same as what they do as superheroes <laughs> and so it, it, it's it's you're you're right and i, I 
I had brothers who were into it a lot more than I was. So, you know, I was dragged to Madison Square Garden a handful of times for some of these big events like the WrestleManias <laughs> and the SummerSlams and all oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did you happen to catch two guys having a sword fight in the parking deck? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. A Highlander reference, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have to explain the illusion? Just let it sit there. No, I'm confirming it. Like, it's been quite a while. Matt laughed, so he got it, and that's all I needed. No, uh, Mark Barron Mark Maron has a, a pretty popular podcast called WTF Podcast. And what was kind of interesting is Mark actually came onto his show, and this was kind of after that news came out from Justin Kroll saying that, hey, these guys are in talks. Well, he got on his, uh, his latest show, and he says, look, uh, all right. He goes, well, it's true. It's true, people. It's true, ladies and gentlemen. I have been added to the cast of the new Joker movie being directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro. Two of the greatest actors that I've ever graced the screen. He says, I know some of you guys are giving me, given some of my recent discussions about the slow corruption of our culture and the arts by the consolidation of desire around the limited options of big budget blockbuster movies in the form of superhero movies are probably the kind of the kind that are thinking, well, well, look at this big talker. Look at this guy. He's a hypocrite. So he goes on to kind of defend himself. And he says, you know, certainly one of my childhood dreams, and I don't want or like to use the word bucket list, but it was something that I thought about in college and something that he thought about as a fan of films. He goes, God, if I ever, if I was ever an actor, it would be amazing to be in a scene with Robert De Niro. Wouldn't it be amazing to act with Robert De Niro? The answer to that question is yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it would. (laughs) Absolutely. So what was kind of interesting is like, um, he goes on and and apparently, and I I don't listen to his podcast, but apparently he's he's kind of been railing about um, kind of like the demise of some, basically a lot of pop culture films being driven by some of the big blockbuster type films and in particular, he talked about some of the superhero films. Well, you know, so he's, you know, he says, well, nope, I'm going to be part of this. But I mean, he's not going to be part of a blockbuster film. I mean, I do not expect Joker to be a blockbuster film by any means. No, I mean, with the budget and everything, like this is the kind of film, this is that sort of indie or just like small, like even even though it's not indie because it's being done by Warner Brothers, but still sort of that small budget, small kind of indie feeling film. So I, yeah, I mean, I I don't expect this to do gangbusters at the box office. (laughs) No, but I, I am expecting, a very special film. That's and that's why I am kind of excited about this. You know, putting aside the whole thing about whether or not you're going to get an origin story or whether you should for Joker, I don't really care about that. I want to see what these guys come up with because I'm expecting between you know the director and the actors in this thing that we're going to get something that's going to be that's going to be a really big treat to watch. Without a doubt, I, I I give him a lot of credit though coming back and saying you know this is my chance to start with Robert De Niro and I'm taking it. You know, yeah. regardless of what I feel or how, you know how I. <laughs> feel about what I've said like this is this is my opportunity and I and I, I want to celebrate that opportunity you guys don't don't you guys don't think that this will be a blockbuster film I don't think so no I don't think so no I really don't no. I, really? I feel like it's not I feel like this is a a niche film I, I feel like it, it might be a sleeper but it's not going to be doing like 157 million opening weekend or anything. That's what that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think this thing could t- kind of take off and and uh, have a pretty good movie going following. But it's not going to take in the kind of numbers like say Deadpool or you know uh, any of the other Infinity like, War. Yeah, Infinity or... War. It's it's not going to do that. But I mean, if this, no, no. I could see this thing maybe hitting 500 million. You know, as like being a hugely successful film. Yeah. I, I, okay, I can I can get on board with that. I just you know I thought it was definitely going to be 
you know, I don't know if we, how we're defining blockbuster per se, but I definitely think that just having the Joker name and, you know, based on the marketing that will probably go along with it. I mean, he's, the Joker is, I mean, probably the the biggest villain of all time, right? I mean, c- can't really argue that. No, I, I, and I would. I mean, anytime someone asks me, who's your favorite villain? I go, Joker. I mean, it's it, it seems kind of boring, but it's true. And just the fact that, like, I think people are always interested in all of the the inventive ways people are portraying the Joker. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how, you know, if if I speak to people, you know, I'm thinking co-workers, right, that don't really follow uh, the superhero scene, uh, like I would. Um, and, you know, that is one character that is a constant standout for people. So um, I think it sort of crosses into, it crosses into that, that area for people that, you know, may not follow this, that find that, you know, always find that character interesting. I think this is going to be a hard one to predict, quite honestly, because I think, you know, just take like Suicide Squad, for example. That one was a really hard one to gauge just how popular that film was going to be. And that one kind of like struck a nerve culture, culturally, you know, uh, probably mostly because of Harley Quinn, but but not only that, just because of like such a diverse cast uh, that they had, you know, it was very representative of a lot of different ethnicities and all that. Like that that thing just like took on a life of its own, and uh, you just I, I don't really know, you know who knows what's going to happen with this because I mean if if this thing kind of comes off as this like big character study and drama and not have a lot of these stereotypical type of superhero moments, I don't see this thing being a very popular film but you never know maybe maybe we just get some of these phenomenal little tidbits of performance that we're going to see in some trailers that we're going to get from Joaquin Phoenix that kind of like sets the world on fire and then you, you just don't know how this is going to take off because I think I think Joker truly is that kind of wild card where you don't you don't really know just how much he's going to like kind of get into the subconscious of the moving going audience and, and I, you know I hope we're wrong I hope this thing is like is a phenomenal hit and hopefully that's indicative that it's a it's a really good film it's it's that movie it's that journal movie going audience that's my it's my biggest wild card here because when I talk to people about movies you know the kind of movies that make me get all giddy and excited you know are typically the kind of movies that like no one else is going to see and so I I don't know you know like like my Blade Runners and my in you know my my really sort of serious films the ones that get like limited releases and stuff you know I I just feel like this is going to be one of those movies that kind of falls into that kind of track where depending on the marketing who knows if a lot of people know it's happening and if they want to go to it because it's going to be serious it is and if but i think that sort of adds to why i think it will be really successful which is the gritty nature of it the you know if we're going for the r rating and also you know when you look at a character study and watch the demise of you know someone who is innocent you know i look at the walter white kind of you know arc Right. Like this idea, because it, it goes beyond just being a DC character at this point, it becomes, you know, this this downfall into madness or this, you know, this eventual, you know, murderous individual, this criminal that's going to come out of something, you know, uh, you know, it's like it, as opposed to watching a, a superhero film, it's like watching, you know, the origin of Michael Myers or uh, Jason Voorhees or, or some of these horror greats, because that's the kind of character he is so you know this can be done in such a way that i think it can pull um an audience outside yeah i mean i think this is going to be a hard one to predict quite honestly uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating watch to see how this thing develops and and what's super exciting about this is you know this thing actually did come together pretty quickly because um i think later on we get some reports that this is actually going to start filming next
next month. Well, they've already got that release date of October of next year. Yeah, like they, they've already announced that, so it's not going to be a it's it's not going to be a long shoot if they if they're starting shooting if they haven't started shooting yet, but they plan to release it before even before Wonder Woman 1984. Right. So uh, I'll be interested because we've also got some more like in talks casting. We got Francis Conroy in talks to play the Joker's mother Penny, who um, if you don't know Francis Conroy, she was the crazy cat lady in the Halle Berry Catwoman movie, yeah. and she was also the voice of Martha Kent in the animated All Star Superman. Uh, interestingly enough, though, apparently Francis McDermott turned the role down. So that was that would have been interesting to see. Yeah, Francis McDormand. I was kind of disappointed when we first heard that because I love Francis McDormand. And if you did, you guys see um, uh, three bo- three billboards outside? Uh, I, I mean, was not uh, in the right headspace. Like I watched uh, like the first twenty minutes of it, and I'm okay. like, I'm not the. Once I figured out what the movie was going to be, I was like, I am not in the headspace to watch this movie right now. And okay. so I went to come. I'm going to have to come back to it. I'm not. I'm not saying I'll never watch it again. I, I was just more of a not now. Well, if you watch not it, now. watch it just for Francis McDormand's performance. It, it's phenomenal. Oh, no, she was. She was incredible. Like 20 minutes I saw her, she was great. But yeah. of course, I love her in Fargo. So. Oh, yeah. The movie was one of the best last I Yeah, mean, I was, think so. It yeah. was amazing. It was an amazing film. Uh, so I was pretty disappointed about that. But I mean, Frances Conroy, I remember her from Six Feet Under. Um, she played the mother of, um, and I can't remember the character's name. It's been so long since I've seen that show. David, but yeah. It's David da- Fisher or something? Yeah, d- yeah. The Fisher family. The Fisher David, family, yeah. 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 Nate and David. Yes. Nate and David were right. the sons. So she's she's kind of got that um, she's kind of got that demeanor and that way about her that I th- is kind of very Francis McDormandish if I can coin a term here. So I um, so that's that's pretty interesting to me. Like I I haven't seen her. I think she was in. She's in American Horror Story as yeah. well. And she can really she can really diversify in yeah. terms of of the roles she can play as well. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, so that that's that's fascinating. Zazie B has apparently I wouldn't say been cast but I mean at this point in time all we could say is that um, she's in talks because I don't know if we got yeah I'm, I was trying to look here I don't think we got any uh, official confirmation on it but no she was she was still in to- she was still in the in talks category yeah well Zazie Beats uh, most of you would probably recognize her from Deadpool 2 2 she played Domino which she was fun yeah. she was yeah. she was enjoyable in Deadpool 2 yeah I mean she's a she's a um, she's got a great persona uh, I think she grew up in Germany, if I remember right. Um, she grew up in Germany, and uh, and but she's just like she's just she's got a lot of really great composure about her, and so it'll be interesting to see her go from that role playing Domino to this, which is seemingly going to be an extremely serious role. Uh, I that that's another uh, piece of casting that kind of fascinates me because they're talking about her playing. Would you say like Joker's love interest? Well, yeah. Well, she's a single mother who apparently catches his eye, right? So that will be very that'll be interesting. Thing. Um, I wonder if something happens to her. You know, it's right. the more they talk about this movie, the more I really just feel like that backstory that's given in the killing joke, just like so much inspiration seems to be coming from that interpretation of the character. It does, yeah. It really does yeah, feel like that. It does. Well, okay, here's some confirmed casting news we got. Uh Brian Callen, uh, who apparently worked with Todd Phillips on The Hangover, he confirmed on uh the podcast he has a podcast, The Fighter and the 
kid, and he's apparently going to be playing an aging male stripper in the movie. So that's interesting casting. Uh, so, I mean, like Joker, in some interpretations, was a comedian, a failed comedian. And so that would kind of make sense because a lot of comedians will do actually do um, shows and strip clubs. So you kind right. of feel like, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of feel like that's going to somehow play into this. So, And I'm sure you know about this from lots of personal research, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Not those kind of strip clubs, but, you know, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I mean, so the the thing that kind of excites me the most about this is if, if they're kind of truly taking that, the killing joke vibe, and maybe kind of building a story off of that. Like, to me, that's always been kind of fascinating. Because like, if there was ever going to be um, a Joker origin story, uh, that would be the one that, you know, I would want them to pull elements from. Because mm-hmm. that was such a fascinating part of, of that graphic novel. So in the past couple of weeks, moving on to Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Patty Jenkins released an image of Pedro Pascal uh, with a photo that we still don't know who he is but looking very 80s in his you know three-piece suit and his i i wish i had a name for that haircut but uh i think it's very interesting though that he's you're he's obviously on a television monitor but his eyes he's looking right at you yeah and that is completely creepy but i think it also helps that jenkins caption to the photo was can't stop watching yeah. So, I mean, that's your biggest clue right there. It seems like she's implying that, you know, something's happening with this character that he's like drawing people into watching TV. I mean, because, I mean, how many times has that been hinted at, at this point? Uh, we had the image of, was it Gal Gadot in front of all those TVs? TV monitor. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. The, 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 the Big Brother vibe you get from Big that. Big Brother vibe, and yeah. It, and it's set literally in the year 1984. And my understanding, I've heard a lot of, you know, I guess rumors about him being Maxwell Lord. Have you guys heard oh, some stuff about yeah. That and like, oh no, that's that's, that's like the, the most popular, yeah. that's the most predominant theory, which I yeah. would totally be around to be, I would be down for that. Well, and because you know, and his power, you know, he develops the mind control stuff, right? Like, that's you know, Maxwell Lord has that, yeah, the mind control power, so that sort of ties into all the the clues, I think, the can't stop watching and the 1984, and like it, it can easily fit into well. And in the comics, in the post crisis, he was also around infinite crisis. He was very deeply tied with Brother Eye, which is that spy satellite. Right. So I would love for like some sort of Brother Eye or OMAC shout out. That would be really cool to have. Well, I did too. But like when it comes to like Maxwell Lord, I mean, part of me really wants that story to happen, like in the so-called present day. You know, where you can have like uh, you know ties to a, a satellite that would kind of be a lot more believable than I think probably back in the eighties. Who knows? I mean, I, I kind of feel like that story would work really well if uh, if they can kind of play um, with a larger sandbox, you know, than just that isolated uh, Wonder Woman world. But, you know, I'd be all for it. You know, I think, um, you know, it, it would it would certainly be fun to see uh, Maxwell Lord show up because I kind of view him as kind of like, he, he's got this little bit of attachment to the Wonder Woman lore now from the comics because you have, you know, very famously um, where Wonder Woman killed Maxwell Lord uh, by right. by snapping his neck. Oh my gosh, we're going to get the backlash again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, bring it away. on. <laughs> <laughs> and I purposely didn't say it because I was afraid <laughs> to give anything away. No. Tell that to Max snapped neck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he somehow, didn't he fund, have some something to do with the funding of the Justice 
Justice League too because I started to do some yes, background yes. looking into post, the character a little bit. Post-Crisis, he was in charge of Justice League International. Yeah. Okay. Because that was what happened because you had Justice League Detroit and then Crisis on Infinite Earths happened and then he kind of ran Justice League International with the blessing of the UN. Right. And that was that that was that really long stretch in the like the late 80s, early 90s of Justice League. Yeah. And because that's when he developed it was after the invasion storyline that he developed uh, his metagene kicked in. Yeah. Right. You know, and then when I saw this image too, like my immediate thought and it kind of goes back to this, like all this like fanboy kind of like desires I have. Like I looked at it and said, OK, how could this connect to some of the other films? And I was like, oh, I wish it was like, you know, I wish this was like Lex Luthor's father because you go go back to that great line from Batman v Superman where he said, you know, no man in the sky intervened when I was a boy to deliver me from daddy's fist and abominations. And it's like, I would love to see a chance to actually see uh, Lex's father play some kind of role here. And uh, so that's like that little fanboy in me that would, you know, love to see a lot more connective tissue between these films. I wasn't thinking that, but you like gave me chills when you said that now, because <laughs> now I want to see that as well. <laughs> nah, I'm still over in the, I'm still over in the Maxwell Lord camp, I'll be honest with you. So, <laughs> Well, that's the easy layup, I think. I mean, that's that's, that's kind of like the the so-called obvious one. Mm-hmm. I don't care about obvious. I'm talking about what I actually want to see. Like yeah. that's that is actually what I want to see. Yeah. yeah. When I saw the when I saw the actual picture though, it, it was reminiscent of Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor in Superman. <laughs> it really you is. You are you are not wrong, sir. Yeah. You are not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that's where I you know that's the first thing I thought about. Um. So that was cool to see that picture. L- let's also talk about there's three other names that are joining the uh, casting for the film. Wonder Woman 1984, and uh, we don't know anything about what roles these people might be playing, but I'll go ahead and rattle off the actors. Uh, The first one is Natasha Rothwell. So I don't know a whole lot about what role she might be playing, but I know she was also, uh, she got some kind of an award for some of the, her writing for some sketch comedy on Saturday Night Live, but she's also was in the movie Love, Simon, and is also in the, what was the, the show that she's on right now? Insecure on HBO. On HBO, yeah. So I haven't seen, I haven't seen that, so I can't really comment on on her or what she might be playing. Uh, the other two actors, Ravi Patel and Gabriella Wilde. So I, I don't really know a whole lot about these actors, uh, but uh, they've apparently joined the cast here. So uh, just let the speculation begin. <laughs> um, we did see that they are also going to be doing, or I think they're actually in process of doing some filming now over at St. Andrew's Place over in London. And uh, this came from Wonder Woman HQ on Twitter, who gathers up some of the different set locations and all that. And so that you could see that Warner Brothers had some of their trucks out there. They had some set lighting trucks. Um, they had um, uh, some cranes actually starting to be put into place here. So um, it's I've, I've never been to London, So, but this looks like a very cool location here. I have been to London, and I cannot remember where this is in the city. Yeah. So um, yeah, I feel like, like, dang it, if I would known that was going to be a question, I would have been prepared for my answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I have not been to London either. Well, it's also been 13 years since I've been to London, so... Yeah. I mean, I guess the point is it's not too far from Leeds End Studios, which we knew, you know, Wonder Woman was going to be filming out of, so it looks like some good outside locations. Uh, one other set pick we see is they're actually building up some structures. I think this is over on the Canary Islands, and uh, it, uh, some people that have looked at it have tried to interpret it different ways. Um, there's been some people that have said, okay, this is this have something to do with, like, Egyptian? Is this, like, some kind of Egyptian? 
Egyptian looking structures of some sort. Don't really know. And who knows what they're, why they've picked this locale, but it's just, it's kind of cool to see some more sets being put up. So uh, we would expect to see probably after they film over, over in London for a little while, they may run over to this locale. And I can't remember. I think we were given some ideas about what month they were supposed to be filming there. And I can't remember what that is offhand. Yeah. It happens when, you know, you haven't done news for like three weeks. Stuff yeah. <laughs> the cracks. It's okay. Absolutely. Um, well, okay. I debated, actually, no, I didn't debate. I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but Tim, of course, was like, no, we're going to do it. Not exactly how it went down, but that's besides the point. I, I don't know. I have Matt here. Matt, back me up here. <laughs> Isn't that how it went down? He's silent uh, like he should be. Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> if I want to get in the middle of this. Smart man. You're, you're wise and you're, you're, you're an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> okay. We're invoking the Umberto rule. <laughs> yes, The Umberto are. rule in the Suicide Squadcast is that he's right 50% of the time and wrong 50% of the time. Um, I, however, refuse to use the word confirmed as he tends to use in his article. We will just say that on the wrap, Umberto Gonzalez is reporting that Ber- he is hearing through his sources that Black Mask will be the antagonist for the Birds of Prey film being written by Christina Hodson and directed by Kathy Yan. Now, is this absolutely plausible? Of course. I remember David Ayer was um, hinting at Black Mask with his Gotham City Sirens film. And let's be honest, if you want to do mob bosses in Gotham, you really have Penguin and Black Mask. I mean, those are kind of your two go-tos when it comes to mob bosses. So I could buy that. Yeah. Well, what's kind of interesting about this is is Black Mask is not typically associated with the Birds of Prey. And no. So this is, it seems to me that, you know, David Ayer was looking at the character. So um, maybe he was being prompted, hey, look to see if you can make something out of this character. You know, it seems to be somebody that Warner Brothers wants to, you know, roll in somewhere. And so maybe this is the the place where Black Mask is going to actually land. I mean, visually, he's a very interesting looking character. Yeah. So, and of course, Ray was like, where do I need to read Black Mask? And I was like, oh, dude, okay, where do we get, (laughs) under the Red Hood, watch the movie. He was like, I've seen the movie. I was like, then how did you miss that Black Mask was in that movie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No Man's Land. Right. uh, War Games. uh, And there was a running Catwoman that he was really big in. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And we did see Janice Cosmetics in uh, Injustice. Yes, we did. I mean, I mean, the one time that you watched it, Scott. <laughs> I saw it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, you know, I, we'll just say this is a, this is purely rumor at this point, and you know, there's no other so-called confirmed sources on this thing. So again, let's apply the fifty-fifty rule when it comes to Roberto Gonzalez. Um, but I would be down with it. I think this would be cool. Uh, I think this would be a fun character to watch because I mean, this is one that could also stretch into other films. So I think it leaves a lot of interesting storytelling possibilities down the road. Absolutely. Uh, Production Weekly is reporting that the Flash is supposedly going to begin principal photography next year in February and that it will be filming in Atlanta. For more on that, listen to Ray's rant on Patreon <laughs> and a little bit on last week's Fans Without Borders. Yeah. He felt very passionate about this subject. Yeah. Well, and this is one thing that we didn't really touch on uh, when we talked about our Supergirl earlier. Mike Fleming Jr. in his article, he had kind of reminded and, and actually kind of stated some dates about when some of these next DC films are going to actually uh, start filming. And he had mentioned that Joker was going to be filming in New York next month, which is, you know, what we heard from a couple different sources here. Uh, he also mentioned that Birds of Prey was going to start production in January. And that was going to be in Atlanta as well. In Atlanta as well. And then also in Atlanta in February was going to be Flash. So it's kind of interesting. You, it, it Logistically, it 
actually kind of makes some sense if you've got, you know, you've got two films kind of in the same locale filming at the same time. Uh, I, I would imagine there's probably some shared resources, savings that you can get there. But it's 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 kind of interesting here. You know, we had this little dead period here where we weren't, uh, you know, between, you know, Justice League and Aquaman where we just there wasn't a whole lot happening because it was in this transition period where they're shaking up management at Warner Brothers uh, at the DC film side of it. And it's like there's a lot happening now. <laughs> so um, just those three films alone are going to be actively in development early next year, which is is pretty exciting for me anyway. I, th- I think what you see is Hamad has finally settled into his position and now the wheels are turning. Right, right. Um, we got an update from Matt Reeves. Now, quotes, quotes, quotes people, actual <laughs> quotes from Matt Reeves himself. Yes. This is what we call confirmed. Yes. So you're OK on this then, Scott. Yes. <laughs> Because this is from the horse's freaking mouth. <laughs> I would I would say Matt Reeves is probably somebody we should consider to be a reliable source. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> Do you agree, Matt? <laughs> I agree. Okay. Yes. Well, they share the same name, so I don't know. It's a little suspect. Oh, oh then, then, then this is journalistic bias. I see how it, it is. is. It All is. you Matts <laughs> stick together, don't you? They do. That's it. Matt Reeves was at the TCA uh, panel, which is a Television Critics Association panel, and uh, he was out there promoting uh, The Passage, which is a mid-season Fox drama. Um, Interesting book, so I'll be interested to watch this show. Okay. Yeah, I, have, I haven't read it, but what was kind of interesting is, uh, of course, it kind of turn to his upcoming Batman film. And so Reeves gave some quotes here, and we're going to read them off here. Uh, when he talked about the state of the Batman script, he said, we are working on getting our draft in the next couple of weeks. Right now, my head is totally into the script. I'm going to be leaving here to go back to work on the script. And he says, what we've talked about is hopefully in the spring or early summer, something like that. So uh, this is yet another film that might get going like first quarter, second quarter of next year. Jeez. If all of this happens, we're gonna we're gonna be raining. I mean, I don't think you and I are gonna have enough time to keep up with all these films at this point. We're gonna have to have a second show. I mean, seriously, <laughs> a- after having like half a show for like the last year, right? <laughs> I mean, and then when talking about the world of the film, Matt Reeves said there are ways in which all of this connects to DC to the DC universe as well. We're one piece of many pieces, so I don't want to comment on that except to say that I'm focused very specifically on this aspect of the DC world. From the beginning, what I always spoken about with Warner Brothers and what I was excited about was being in the Bat universe and really do something within that sphere. And which I remember the big kerfuffle. You know, there's always a kerfuffle when it comes to this movie. And he's always said that. It's like, I'm not a independent Elseworld story. I'm in the universe. I'm just focused on the Bat family. It's what he's always said. He's been very consistent about that. It's no different than how you would say have looked at, say, what Patty Jenkins Wonder did Woman. with Wonder Woman, right? Yes. Yeah. And then he says that was always what I was going to be so in that way it hasn't changed a lot since I first met with them it's very much the same thrust if that makes sense yes Matt it makes perfect sense absolutely for people who want to you know think about it logically. And a lot of things have happened since then, but the movie and why I'm excited about it is it continues to be the same inspirations and excitement of what we talked about in the beginning. So, I mean, it kind of sounds to me like there were some events that have happened and, you know, we can speculate what some of those might be. For one, just a shakeup in management. Um, you know, that's that's changed some things, but he said fundamentally it's still the same about what they talked about in the very beginning. You know, and I think I think the whole state of, you know, how, what, and what role Ben Affleck is going to play with this going forward, you know, 
know, that's one of these other things that he's probably referring to here. Yeah, I would agree right. with that. Um, and then, you know, there had been a lot of rumor mill. Like, before this news dropped, there was like a week and a half of like, oh my God, rumors about this movie. And uh, Matt Reeves quotes, once again, says, we're not doing any particular comic. Year One is one of the many comic books that I love. We are definitely not doing Year One, which was one of those rumors that, you know, drove the internet insane. Honestly, people learn to just not... Why do they fall for it? Matt, t- what is it with people? I mean, seriously. You you tell us. You're, you're much more general audience than we are at this point. You know, I think people are just so anxious to sort of just step in and say their piece before allowing things to sort of just, just let things be. There's enough content that we know about. You know, I, I, this, I said this to Tim too. I said, you know, we're living in a time, I am so grateful to be a fan of this stuff at this time because there's just so much of it that we can sink our teeth into. So, you know, as these things are coming into development, there's no need to, you know, sort of, you know, jump on things with such negativity and sort of just let them be, let them be. And, you know, as we know more, then we can, you know, have opinions, at least pull the, yeah, have opinions. Uh, But, you know, when we start to do it so early, you know, I, I wonder how much of all of that information really affects uh, where things begin to go as, you know, the industry hears, you know, I think people are are listening to some of that and it it can really affect or change directions sometimes that that we don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's definitely true. I mean, we've seen we've seen it exactly happen recently. Yes, we have. Um, And then Reeves went on to say, it's just exciting to be focused very specifically on a tale that is defining for him and very personal to him. Obviously, we're not doing an origin tale or anything like that. Let's repeat. We are not doing an origin tale or anything like that. Uh, we're doing a story that is definitively Batman, though, and trying to tell a story that's emotional and yet is really about him being the world's greatest detective. Yeah, baby. And all the things that, for me, since I was a kid, made me love Batman. I've talked about making it a very point-of-view, noir-driven, definitive Batman story. Yeah, Yes, it's talking my language. Yeah, I know. In which he is investigating a particular case, and that takes us out into the world of Gotham. Yes! 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 Yes. This is this is what this is what everyone wants, and this is why when he talks about having a a, a bat centric movie, this is exactly what you want because it gets back to all these elements which are core to what Batman is. This was this information was like the most exciting information <laughs> late. I mean, when you hear this, this this really you know gets to the core of the things I love about this universe, and so I mean, and, ba- and Batman in particular. I mean, hearing the direction that he's taking with this is we. We're wait, we waited a long time for it. Yeah. I liked what he said here where he, he kind of rounded out the conversation. He said he went on a deep dive, again, revisiting all of his favorite comics. And he says, those won't inform by osmosis. So he's basically saying that there's all kinds of great stories out there. And collectively, he's probably going to be taking elements from, you know, various places all over uh, through the Batman lore. And in, in the end, just kind of putting together the story that is going to really kind of speak to what he's trying to say. And he says, there's no continuation of the Nolan films. It's very much trying to find a way to do this as something that for me is going to be definitively Batman and new and cool, which is exactly what we want. We want the filmmaker yeah. to have to have his or her vision and execute it. And I don't know why people would freak. I mean, ha- raise your hands if you love Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or War of the Planet of the Apes. I mean, seriously. Oh my God, they were incredible. They were fantastic. I'm raising my hand right now. I'm raising my hand. I mean, it's great for radio. But it's like, but at 
it's like, how can you see those two movies and have any doubts about what this man can do? Right. No, I'm I'm super stoked. Remember, Scott, do you remember our reaction when we found out that uh, Ben Affleck was stepping down as director? Yes, because we were, well, there was the we, I remember we did the emergency podcast yes. and we found out he was stepping down. And then it was the next day when he got announced and I was just like, why is everyone excited about this guy? Because like, I hadn't <laughs> seen the, because I hadn't seen the, I hadn't seen Dawn yet. And I was yeah. just kind of uh, like, uh, what, what's the big deal? And then I saw Dawn and I was like, I understand now. Thank you very much. And I think that's just, but I mean, my reaction at the time was like, guys, you know, yeah, obviously I'm disappointed because I was really looking forward to what Ben Affleck was going to do because he's put out some really phenomenal films, you know, as a director. So I was excited about seeing that opportunity of a, of a director that is accomplished and, you know, who knows, you know, what their take is going to be. That that just excites me. But I my reaction at the time was like, but that said, you know, we're going to get some kind of announcement about some new director coming in and it ended up happening faster than we thought. But some new director coming in and uh, it's going to be somebody we're really excited for. And it took a little while because they was kind of going back and forth with negotiations at the time from when it was uh, first when there was first word that Warner Brothers was talking to Matt Reeves. It kind of took a while before it finally became confirmed. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, Matt Reeves is, is excites me very much. So I can't wait to see this film. And he has a lot on his shoulders, I think, you know, having to come after the Nolan trilogy, which is, you know, so incredible, you know, hearing his take i i don't think there would have been many directors coming across with such a clear take that feels from this point already that it's going to be definitively different than what nolan has brought um and you know and, and it's such a hard thing with those films being so good uh you know to have some momentum you know to see this go in another direction for a general audience. yeah well not just that he has to follow up the uh i don't not like you line which is i mean that's going to be a hard one to top <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyway <That's> true too. <laughs> just c- continue to peel that scab off don't i oh god <laughs> but i have to tell you you know and um you know i don't know if you guys have seen on top of everything else I, I, we don't know where ben is in terms of uh actually you know putting the cow back on or not but i have to tell you i was super excited when that dc fan i, I think his name is landon o'leary did that twitter um did anybody see this where he de-aged ben Affleck in uh, BVS oh, to yeah, show so. what he would look like young and I was like I don't know that was just so exciting for me if that was a possibility <laughs> well no no I actually I, I can do you one better I like the one where they showed him in BVS and they showed him in the accountant and went this is just him with a haircut <laughs> I mean he already looked I mean they, they grayed him up in BVS yeah. and then they just gave him a haircut in the accountant and it already made him look like 10 years younger yeah. I mean they don't even they don't have to go through that process just with makeup and a haircut they can because the man's only in his late 40s right yeah yeah and scott and i had actually talked about this at the time and and it was one of the kind of like maybe unintentionally brilliant things that they did with batman v superman is because they made him older not only did he give us a batman that we haven't seen on screen you know somebody that was kind of late in his career uh but they purposely made him look older than the act the actor actually is and so that kind of opened up the door i'm like oh you could tell some stories earlier in his career you know with the same actor with the same actor and just yeah. make him look younger yeah yeah no yeah i mean i don't i, I think I, I scott and i have kind of made our uh, opinions on this kind of known like we don't think ben's coming back for for this we don't think he's going to be in uh matt reeves films but you never know i'm like we'd certainly be happy because we, we were both pretty happy with his performance as batman and bruce wayne I, I, I no no not pretty happy as in my favorite on-screen batman like his performance in batman v superman is my favorite on-screen batman ever well he, he's my favorite batman but uh you know chris
Christian Bale is still my favorite Bruce Wayne. Ah, favorite Batman as well. Ben Affleck is my favorite Batman as well. I agree with you. I don't. I do not anticipate him coming back to the Matt Reeves Batman. But like just to just to dream, you know, a little bit was 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 fun to see that footage. What is possible? But you know what? The internet theories going around that he may narrate the tale is something. Ooh. Oh, that's interesting. There's a lot because he talks about a case that was def- that was definitive and personal, and the idea of maybe you you book in the film with Ben, I mean maybe he narrates, but then you get a young if you want to go the younger actor route depending on how earlier in the career he goes I that's a that's a take that I could be cool with keeping that connective tissue and what says noir more than a voiceover <laughs> exactly. I mean yeah. let's be honest <laughs> yeah that exactly. would be great and, and, and my understanding is he's he's uh, working out like crazy yep. that's that's the last that I've heard well I've been seeing photos that just sees that he's definitely I mean he's doing a movie right now but I, I feel like maybe he's getting his head in the right place after all of his his sort of issues and stuff and I think you know he's just I, maybe he's finding a healthier mindset yeah who knows I mean I, you can't you, you you can't make too much out of the fact that he's getting in shape again like no, you know that no. there, there's a number of reasons that could be so I you know we'll see I mean again like you know we need to just kind of sit back and see what happens because even if they do replace him for the Batman Matt Reeves film you know we're going to have this another exciting moment where we get like somebody else that's going to be coming in and portraying and who knows knows what they're going to do like we might get something you know again some very special performance that we weren't expecting exactly so our advice you know as we always say is just just be open-minded sit back trust in the filmmakers and and just you know wait and see what we get it's exciting times ahead well trust in them until they show us that we can't trust them that's usually right yeah Yeah. exactly um i got hurt i got hurt really bad i can tell scott i think we're all there i think we're all there uh production weekly apparently is in a listing it's being suggested that ben affleck is still a producer on the film uh their pursue news was reporting that this is that their report was an updated project so you know and who and who knows what that means that ben affleck's producing he may just has a he may just have a producing deal tied with the character whether he's in the film or not that's been known to happen before i mean when production weekly when they talk about like an update like so this is should be some fairly reliable information about some of the production specifics so when they've got an update that means something changed in what they had previously stated about this particular film so in this one it just shows ben affleck as a producer as being the update so we will see yeah uh more updates um jeff johns was talking to ign about Green Lantern Corps, and his quotes were, it's a complete reimagining, just like I did Green Lantern Rebirth in the comics. I'm going to be hopefully delivering a script that Warner Bros. loves and DC likes, and they want to make it. It's going to celebrate the mythology and and reinvent it in a different way. So I was trying to figure out how we interpret these statements. I was there with you. Yeah, I want to, I want, I'd I'd like to hear from you, Matt. Like, when you hear that, and by the way, have you ever read any of the Green Lantern Rebirth? I have not. Okay. I mean, so what Jeff Johns did there is is he basically made Green Lantern somebody that you cared about again. Like, Green Lantern Rebirth is just, it's phenomenal. Brent will hurt you because he loves Kyle Rayner so much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but he brought Hal Jordan back. That's the point. Well, not only did it bring Hal Jordan back, but he started to uh, to bring in some of the incredible mythology with you know, it's kind of surrounding the, the color spectrum, and mm-hmm. and so like I'm like for me, I'm I'm I would want to be hanging my hat on that, especially if I was Jeff Johns and I'm going to be developing a script. Like so, I find this real interesting his statements here. So I'm I'm curious how you take this, Matt. Well, it's hard because I have not I I have not read um, the Jeff Johns run, which you know my understanding. Standing, and just correct me if I'm wrong. This is like this. Is that the Blackest Night run too? Like Blackest Night is during that run. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, and this is where he and you were saying this is where he brings in the spectrum of colors into this into the storyline. Yes. Well, that comes after Rebirth. Okay. I mean, you. I mean, you had a little bit of it. Tim, Tim hold on. Well, let's let's clarify. We don't mean Rebirth as in this era of DC Comics. We mean as in there was a story that was called Green Lantern Rebirth. That was the okay. beginning of his run. Gotcha. Yeah, th- that's what gets confused. That is true. I, I forget about that. I forget about that terminology <laughs> that actually goes back further than the actual event at the company-wide event at DC. Yes. Yeah, further than the Rebirth brand. Right, right. Yeah, we're talking about pre-Infinite Crisis. He okay. wrote a st- He wrote a story called Green Lantern Rebirth which brought Hal Jordan back from the dead. Okay, and so now he's saying that he's reimagined his originals. Am I getting that correct? Correct. Right. He, he, wrote, he wrote the character for nine years and now he's saying he's reimagining the reimagining he did for nine years <laughs> and that's well, that, and that's what surprises me hey listen i think when you live with something for nine years i think you find you know th- ways in which you want to elevate that story or make different decisions and how that's going to transfer to screen may not necessarily his original story may not necessarily um translate well or or it could be too complicated i Again, I didn't read that run, but it could be, you know, complicated in terms of how to translate that into a two and a half, if we're lucky. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Exactly right. Because when you take like uh, over that 10 year period or so or nine year period, I mean, what is it about 120, 150 books, somewhere in there, um, you can create this pretty complicated mythology and and build it up. And and it's something that collectively over that period of time, it could make sense. But how do you distill all that down to two hour film? Or a two and a half hour film, and I yeah. and I think that's I think what you're saying there is exactly right, Matt. And and you know and I and he's also coming off of you know the Green Lantern movie that you know has been panned since it since it came out, and I think you have to um, look at the DC films that have come now, you know, that have been released up to this point, and what has worked and not worked with them, um, as well as your nine years of, of mythology that you've created, and figure out, start to tease out. The best parts of all uh, for for an audience that's gonna you know I also think for you know Green Lantern you know it's it's a, it's a it's a universe you know like you're bringing in a universe this is not a story that's uh, usually here on Earth necessarily you know so um, how much he's you know how big it is and and the characters that have to be introduced as well I think there's a lot of character so who you're gonna attach to he has to be very careful he has to be very careful how big he goes because that would be one of the big criticisms of the Ryan Reynolds movie that they tried to go too big in a movie that did not need to have all of that mythology jammed into one movie. Yeah. Yeah, because people didn't get it. It didn't translate well. And it wasn't just um, the Green Lantern mythology. I mean, when we're talking about like the mythology that's part of the Green Lantern core today, not only do you have the mythology of the entire core itself, it's it's introducing all these other elements with the um, the emotional spectrum. And so, the other cores. And the other cores. So, like, so that is just too much. And so I, I think that's right. 
and we've heard that you know they kind of talk about at least with the Goyer script it was kind of talked about like a a buddy cop mm-hmm. uh, film you know and I think of Jeff Johns at this point now I you know I think as he's beginning more into the film side of things I'm hopefully he's learning lessons you know on you know what makes a good film and being able to kind of separate uh, the, his approach from the comics and now you have to distill it to something different for film and so maybe when it all comes down to it like that's what's kind of going into maybe retooling the script you have to have the ability yeah you have to take the you have to have the ability to let go of some of the things that you really love as a writer to allow that to translate to the to a wider audience so well that's been one of my criticisms about jeff johns being in charge of dc films because i felt like one of the last things you should do is be somebody that can be making decisions about something that you have a strong emotional attachment to and that maybe you personally are part of creating because you I, i think you these little blinders on and i always feel like it should be somebody independent that comes in and takes looks at takes a look at all the different possibilities and selects what makes the most sense for a film franchise and and that was one of my fears with jeff johns in place is it seems like so much of what we heard being put into development was literally a lot of things that he was involved with in the creative side in the comics and i just feel like you have to have that separation and and you have to be able to yeah i i definitely agree there and i think there's a way you know, as we've seen with Zack Snyder, there's a way to layer these things so that you know the there are there is something really deep rooted there for fans that have that that fans will pick up on, and you know, but the storyline can you know you can stay at a base storyline and get through the story uh, being part of a general audience. But the more you watch it, the more you find and having those those pieces of the mythology built in in a way that satisfies both audiences is you know it's not an easy thing to do but we we've watched it we've seen it done very very well yeah definitely agree um i actually was watching this next bit of news actually happen live on twitter a couple of weeks ago it was kind of fun um now tim do you know who logan marshall green is oh absolutely he was one of my favorite parts from uh, prometheus me too he was in Pro- i okay i missed him who was he in prometheus uh, he was the boyfriend with and i can't remember her name um but do you know matt yes i don't know the, I, I i don't know the actress's name numi rapace yep yes that's right he was the boyfriend with the worm in the eye yes ah, oh <laughs> that's him. yes okay i gotcha mm-hmm. i've been wanting to see this guy in some kind of dc film up to this point but go ahead and talk about what his tease was okay so he tweeted and, and by the way i have not seen upgrade only because i because of the level of violence i'm just waiting to watch that at home um uh, but he tweeted out i'm officially an unemployed actor and i've already had my 15 minutes in the MCU. Uh, so I'm starting my own shameless campaign to play my favorite hero in the DCU. Hashtag Mr. Miracle. And then he tagged Ava DuVernay. <laughs> and then uh, Ava DuVernay replied with a gif of a guy pointing at, uh, pointing at kind of like, I'm watching you. <laughs> with a little winky face. And with a little winky face. And I thought that was great. I was just like, this is fun. And, and I feel like you don't do that unless things are happening and you're, you're, you are literally winking at us and when just looking at this whole idea of like okay who could he play mr miracle hell yeah i would be all over that (laughs) i would be all over that but then my next question immediately i start thinking okay so then who's gonna be big barter you know (laughs) then who's gonna be orion i mean there's so many great questions you know like ah i'm just hoping for great 
things with this film, but I mean, it's way early in the development stage. But my God, if he if, if they could pull him in for this, ah, 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 I'd be super excited about that. And it was so funny is that I had to have so when he talked about his 15 minutes in the MCU, I had to have someone remind me who he was in the MCU. And I went, oh, OK, gotcha. Yeah. If 15 <laughs> minutes, if that. If that. <laughs> Matt, did you know who he was in the in his 15 minutes in the MCU? Yeah. Once I looked it back up and I found out that he was in Spider-Man Homecoming, I looked him up. I'm like, <laughs> oh, right. You know, and I really like him, too. If you if, if you've seen some of his other films, The, the Invitation, incredible. He, he's he's in a lot of really good films. Yeah. Um, now, moving on. This one is one that got me pretty excited. Uh, David Ayer tweeted out a picture of him with another individual, and he tagged it, had a nice visit with Paul Dini. And there he is. Oh. <laughs> so there it is, David Ayer, uh, sitting there with Paul Dini. And so, you know, obviously... All the speculation. I'm like, okay, is it is he still is he still going to be involved with uh, some type of Harley Quinn character of some sort? You know, because I mean, the last thing we had heard that he was still doing some work with Gotham City Sirens. So, so yeah, I'm still hopeful. Like, you know, I I, I want to see him get another shot, especially if you don't get studio interference with this film. Like, I'd I'd like to see him have another shot at a film here. And so it's it's exciting to me that like it looks like something is conceivably happening here. At least it, at least in some discussion stages. So like things might still be under development well looks that I'm, way mm, i just i just saw him with paul dini i just went okay david come back david <laughs> come back to us david yeah and then i i think this is the last bit of news that really made a big splash recently but the hollywood reporter reported that uh ruby rose has been cast as batwoman in the upcoming dccw crossover event uh and will also obviously star in the upcoming batwoman series that has already been announced as well. So I don't, I, I know that uh, Brent and Ray made a comment about that. I don't know if we had actually talked about the fact that, that the, they are making an actual series for Batwoman and I guess the crossover is just going to be the launch off point for that. Right. But um, it was really funny because there was there was two reactions on Twitter when Ruby Rose was announced. There was awesome and who? And <laughs> thankfully I was over in the awesome category because I knew who she was. Because yeah. I'd seen her in um, Orange is the New Black. Right. And she also showed that she could kick ass in John Wick Chapter 2. Yes. So I, I was I was in that camp. I was in the awesome camp as well. Same I mean, here. as soon as I heard it, I mean, you can see it, you, right? Like, Oh, no. It connects right away. No. Have, have you, wh- where have you seen Ruby Rose before, Matt? Orange is the New Black. Okay. Yeah. The same two, same two things that you cited, Scott. That's where I've seen her. Okay. But I mean, she, she's got, she's got great personality personality. She's got great charisma. Um, she, you know, to me looks the part like uh, everything about her. I mean, and, and the thing is, I mean, you know, she's a, I mean, I mean so they're going to be presenting her as, you know, her true to form in a comic as being a lesbian character. And she's actually that in, in real life as well. Which I appreciated that. Yeah. I was like, okay, great. You know, you have a character who is unabashedly a lesbian. Get a lesbian. I mean, why, why not be true to form on that? And I thought that was great. Plus she's got the attitude to be Kate Kane. Oh she does. God, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, of course, I feel like I have to bring the show down a little bit by mentioning the fact that she has had to leave Twitter and turn off her comments in Instagram because people are being tools as, you know, as the internet can be sometimes, which I don't know who these people are. I don't understand who these people are because... Well, they're dicks is who they are. Well, that's true. <laughs> that, that, I mean, yes, but it's, but it's like,
like you, you almost want to look at him and go, what's your beef? I mean, you've got the character. You've got a casting decision that is perfect for that character. It's like, shut up. Shut up and go sit in your corner. Really? It's, you're right. Because it's, it's, this is the newest trend, right? We've This is just the next person in line that's been berated with all kinds of negative social media comments. I mean, we watched it a few weeks ago with yeah. the Titans. Um, uh, when we saw the, the reveal of the Titans trailer. I mean, Grant Gustin just, you know, got nailed with the new costume of the Flash. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's just, it, it's Body just a consistent, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just a consistent string of uh, outlandish uh, social media yeah. outcries from people for absolute for, for for really no no reason whatsoever other than to just be dicks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Right. I guess here's my question, and this is something else I've seen. You know, a- as fans have responded to this news, you know, people said, "Okay, please." <laughs> they were like, "Please, journal uh, journalists and bloggers and stuff, please stop using the words fans cause actors to go off of Twitter because these obviously are not fans, right? They're not fans. No, say trolls." say internet dicks do not say fans because if they truly were a fan of the universe or of the character they would be celebrating this casting because it's spot on yeah no i mean this is exactly the casting you should have for this absolutely so, i don't know i mean there's nothing else to say about it i mean you know where we stand um you know, <laughs> so well i guess we, all we can do is just try to keep being the example that we need to be mm-hmm. yeah. which by the way matt let me ask you because i'm sure i'll have to do this with ray later so i might as well do it now uh how are, <laughs> how are you how are you up on your batwoman reading oh i'm not don't don't even i'm not good so don't (laughs) yeah let's not go there uh i'm just gonna tell you greg rucka and jh williams the third they had a run right after the 52 limited series that led into a wonderful new 52 solo series she had excellent both of those are great play great places to to read i was scott you have my email address you don't need to send me a box of anything (laughs) (laughs) i would no. i have no i have nothing to send you because i didn't get i didn't get Getting rid of my Batwoman books, so it ain't happening. No, but if you, but 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 I'm always looking. You know, like I I do read um, recreationally. Like I, I I'm not. I don't follow many of the comics in that. You know, like in the series runs. But I do kind of keep up with the stories. And, you know, um, and do pick it up on my iPad. You know, each yeah. night. Um. So if you do have some suggestions, definitely email them to me, and I. Will. Oh God, you don't know what door you just opened up. <laughs> you just. You you just okay. You just you just fed you just fed the stray, and he's gonna keep coming back for more. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, do uh, it, anyway. Scott. Send me your best. <laughs> I have. I will. I will. I will do my best, sir. I will do my best. All right. Well, guys, we need to end the show. Um, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it right now. That is it for this week's podcast. It, it has been so much fun having you on, Matt. I, I just want to thank you for joining us, and not only that, I just want to thank you for all your patronage this past year and continued patronage. Uh, uh, this is this is a blast. I hope we get to do it again. Oh, I hope so too. And thank you so much for having me and uh, continue to entertain me week to week in my car rides to work. <laughs> and just please just quit yelling at us, okay? Because that's what you said you do. You said you yell I at us. It's actually Scott. I just yell at Scott. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's what I figured, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Whatever. I could really care less. That's the best part. Right. You go ahead and yell at me. I'm laughing all the way to the bank. That's all I'm yeah. saying. 
<laughs> so Matt, can you can you tell us where if people want to reach out to you or maybe you don't want people to reach out to you? I don't know. It is the internet after all. But I mean, where can people find you generally? Oh my god, um, I, I do have a Facebook account. I do have a Twitter account. Um, all you have to do is search it, for Matt, and you'll find him. <laughs> no, no. It's a, if you do MCW one one seven three at Twitter, uh, you can find me there. Or um, yeah, you could just or you can email me or send me a line at mmcw one one seven three at gmail okay and if you got great suggestions for matt to read uh send them to scott and then scott will forward them on <laughs> sounds, so, good. <laughs> sounds good how about we cut out the middleman you just go straight to matt for that one how's that <laughs> i'm good. busy enough i'm busy enough trying to keep ray afloat let's be honest let's be honest about that so guys you can contact our show if you like what you heard reach out to us we'd love to hear from you reach us on twitter at suicide Squadcast, and then on twitter individually you can reach me at alan fire and as always you can reach me at scott DC27, and you can email the show at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. We love interacting with our fans, so please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We can also be found on Vero, Facebook, and at suicidesquadcast.com, where you can also find the entire network of shows. And once again, we want to thank all of our patrons, including Matt. And if you want to consider supporting us, please go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia and see see if, if you're able to contribute at whatever level you're able to contribute, you are appreciated. And thank you for keeping the lights on. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to call this one to a close. Go out and keep reading some DC. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, guys, seriously, these fans. No, stop it. Stop harassing these poor people who are taking jobs just to entertain us. What are you idiots thinking? No, they're not thinking. And there's only one solution to get rid of these idiots. And what is that? Oh, come on, Matt. You know what it is. By the way, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. As soon as we blow someone up, uh, I've got to run to the restroom. So <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. So I'm just saying, like, I'm going to, we're going to blow something up and then I'm going to disappear unceremoniously. Okay. <laughs> like for good or just for like, is this like a, a two minute thing or is it a 10 minute thing? It's a 10 minute thing. Okay. So it's going to, it's going to be one of those. I'm going to sign, I'm probably going to sign off and you'll see my audio uploaded on the, the, uh, the drive. Sounds good. Well, if you, if you run off, it was a pleasure, Scott. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure having you. You were fantastic on the show tonight. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I feel like I'm I'm like sweating from this whole experience. I don't know. What, I'm in the South. I literally am sweating, but it's just the weather. So I don't know what the hell happened while we were talking, but I was like, it, it's nerve wracking for some reason. You were just around. You're around greatness. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, seriously, I I need to blow. I need to blow something up right now. So let's go. I'm like, please don't ask me any more DC. <laughs> comic information because I'm like I read so sporadically I'm like oh my god please uh.
We should, we should blow up Scott for putting you on a spot like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just do something. Literally, I've got to go, guys. I am not joking. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, Scott. <laughs>